minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, we're less than a week away from the NFL draft. We're coming down the home stretch in the NBA and NHL regular season. So much to kibitz about. Hi and hello and welcome to the newest episode of Minus 3 presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, whatever that season may be, for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win. And of course, when you're doing it, make it count all the way. Do it at FanDuel.com slash Minus 3. Help out your pals Dave and Hench and Eddie Spaghetti getty and the rest of the gang follow along at minus three pod so much to go back and listen to just a couple of days ago jeff schwartz joined for the all-time draft of 2021 we open things up not just from the current pool of student athletes from which you could draft but all of man's recorded history so that meant i think peyton manning went to the jets at two after uh, two overall, and we went from there. So go and uh, track that one down. Also good stuff with uh, me and Cousin Sal talking to the playmaker, Michael Irvin, with some really great insights about uh, the 2021 draft, what the Cowboys might do, what a lot of teams may be thinking um, in terms of quarterbacks, and also a look back at uh, his draft experience, the number 88, its meaning. Would he maybe have switched that up, given our new looser uh, number rules in uh, – in our league so much uh to listen to there but uh right now let's say hello to our main man from boston massachusetts he was uh, a catamount at one point in his life and uh now he is a kingpin in show business (laughs) it's kevin hench what's the poop fella how are you hey i'm good excited i i this is a great sports window right april so Mm -hmm. much going on about to go on baseball Hockey rolling in, uh, teams all getting ready for the tournament. It's uh, it's exciting times. I, I just went over all that. You know, I just breezed past all that. Eddie Spaghetti, how are you? Well, uh, for those who will eventually see, I am wearing a Jack Eichel uh, Buffalo Sabres t-shirt, which means I am waving the white flag on my Rangers 2021 season, but I am looking forward in a very positive light to the 2022 season. Yankees are not great, and who would have ever guessed that the not New York Knicker, the, the New York not Knickerbockers great are by far the best team in New York right now and are and they have a potential MVP canon Julius Randle. So very, very strange times. Just cross my fingers also the Giants don't screw it up uh next week at the draft. So weird times for New York sports fans. Yeah, you know, come one, come all, but it is worth pointing out again that we keep our gaze on the northeastern region of sports America here. And we're gonna deep dive on the East Division in the NHL, home stretch like we say there, the the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Hench, interesting stuff as far as that goes. Then we'll we'll talk some uh, NFL draft, and uh, I have some good news for you from the aforementioned playmaker regarding one of your high-profile New England Patriots uh, in the dominant run of the 21st century. Um, but what do you think as it stands right now? The Celts have rounded into shape. M- maybe Damashek lit a fire under them with the uh, with the report of Brad Stevens maybe <laughs> ditching them to go to Bloomington, Indiana. That proved false. Maybe, though, without my note, maybe that really brought it to a head and Brad Stevens had to... Listen, he had the press conference that day. He had to have a team meeting hours after I made the news that he was leaving for Bloomington. Maybe he said, all right, I put my foot down here. If the buzz is coming from a former Indiana Hoosier, now there, there's some smoke here and I've got to throw some water on it. I feel bad that I said two weeks ago, well, the Nets are, you know, a prohibitive favorite there. How are, how are three of the best scores in the history of the league not going to vanquish whoever gets in their way? We did asterisk it and say, 
well, they all have to be out there. It seems like this dream for the Nets is just about done, right? I mean, and and, and so then who does that leave? Is that the Sixers? Is it the Sixers conference to win? Well, it's funny. Every time you, I mean, you anoint a favorite, right? There is always an asterisk. Um, so with the Nets, it was like, all right, whatever many games they're missing, it's good for them. They're going to, and then now it feels like it's going to take a medical miracle for them to be on the court together for a seven game series. So, you know, obviously this hardened setback, you know, hamstrings are tricky and, you know, Durant, anytime Durant, you look at a box score and it's like, wait, he played four minutes. Uh Oh, so, you know, uh, Kyrie Irving's your most durable player. That's probably not great. Uh, so yeah, now it, now things shift and I am on the nets financially. So that's, that's a worry. Um, the Sixers, you're like, okay, well then I guess it has to be the Sixers. Uh, and then you, you watch them lose to the Warriors and the Suns and you're like, oh, maybe it's not them either. It's definitely not the Celtics who lost at home to a terrible Bulls team playing without Levine. Like, go ahead, go team. ahead. So what's that leave you with? Who's that so, leave? So, so you know, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> I, I, mean, I love the fact that Giannis stayed in, in Milwaukee. And I'm going to throw out a name. <laughs> Bobby Portis. <laughs> Not a lot of people talking about Bobby Portis, but <laughs> he's a really good player. And the Bucs, people have just kind of written them off. You know, they've just written them off completely. And, and I would say that, you know, as the sands shift underneath underneath the feet of the Eastern Conference, that that uh, financially is looking like the best deal for your investment uh, as we as we roll into our. I agree. For the We're on. We park our cars right. in the same garage. I love that. There's something about the NBA, about the construct of the sport or the way it's broken in terms of the way the postseason tournament's set up. These things are not apples to apples comparisons, league to league. And in the NBA, there's a progressive nature to the teams or, or to how these things track. You don't generally get like the Detroit Pistons of 2004, the oddball. They're the exception that proves the rule that you, you kind of like you get into the draft lottery, then you get some pieces together. Then you get into the playoffs. You get that experience one season. Then the next season, you make a deep run. Then you get to the finals and maybe you, and there, there's a, a flow to it that doesn't exist, it feels like, in, in any of the other sports. Maybe this is now the Bucks. Maybe they've just now been seasoned just so and Middleton and Holiday and, and are ready to rise up and really play even bigger roles around Giannis. And, and, and maybe this is uh, the Bucks year. I, I, that's where I'm riding myself. All right. All right, well, let's get into you. our best bets, though, Okay, now, shall we? Um, you know what, Hench, why don't you start us off? We're talking some NBA here. If you got one there or otherwise, shoot. Well, I just, what I'll lead off, um, my best bet is the bet that I have, the ticket that I have that I wish, had I been with you guys in January, I could have given out in January when I got it. When Julius Randle was 26 to one to win most improved player. That is a lock now, obviously. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about Julius Randle for MVP. I, I can't, now I, I can't get you that price. 
Um, but but that's what I have. Julius Randle, 26 to 1 to win most improved player. I don't know why the odds were so crazy. I think it's because he was already pretty good and you have to have this big leap. But it was like this guy, I don't think anybody realized the box scores he was filling right out of the gate. Um, so I can't I can't get you 26 to 1 on Julius Randle. But what I can get you uh, is my new thing two weeks in a row, right? These NHL teams playing on Saturday and then having to play again on like early Sunday. Now, so so two weeks ago, I said the Bruins have to play in Philly. Then they have to fly home, play a rested Capitals team. Capitals beat them eight to one. Then last weekend, the Bruins had to it was it was the Bruins had the day off. Capitals had to play in Philly, then fly to Boston Bruins whipped them. I mean, it was 6-3, but the, the Caps got two on a bogus four-minute uh, double minor. Uh, so this weekend, this lines up great for my Bs. Your Penguins have to play the Devils on Saturday, then play the, the Bruins on Sunday. So I'll take the rested Bruins against the tired Penguins on Sunday, and then uh, the Devils will have just played on Saturday they get the, the execrable flyers on Sunday, but they're going to lose to the terrible flyers because they just played on Saturday. And I'm going to ride this every weekend. I, it seems totally unfair that teams are playing, getting on, getting their COVID protocol. Like, okay, now we got to travel, swab your nose, and then it's an early puck drop on Sunday. And and it, and I'm going to ride this till it loses. And then the other thing that I'm going to I'm going to jump on and advise everyone to jump on. We've been talking about it. DeGrom, 36 and 42. The Mets, 36 and 42 from 2018 on when he starts. I know it's like saying that after a bunch of tails, you're going to get heads on a coin flip. I just think he's going on a tear. So like tomorrow, Friday against the Nationals, it's going to be expensive to buy that ticket because he's going up against Fetty, who's not good. But DeGrom's going to rip. I, I, I can't, you can't strike out 14 through six innings and allow no earned runs and not have it pay off eventually. So maybe his last start where the Mets tried to lose with three unearned runs, but won anyway, maybe that was the turning point. And now DeGrom goes on one of those Roger Clemens runs where he doesn't lose for 14 straight starts. Those are my picks. I like those uh, very much there. And uh, yes, I think the worm has turned where DeGrom is concerned. First of all, we agree on that one. Um, hockey talk coming up with uh, spaghetti and meatballs on the Eastern Division specifically later in the show. And we're at a weird place in the NHL season. And, you know, versus the NBA with this like uh, load management stuff and the have nots and what are they playing for exactly at this point? I feel like in the NHL, you see. You know, I watched uh, the the Devils Pens. The Pens went up six nothing, and almost I mean, they really almost lost the game. I mean, it was with forty seconds to go, it was seven six, and there were some real chances for New Jersey. Jersey is one of those um, uh, much coveted, uh, mythologized, hardworking bunch. They make you work. They make you earn it, and they really do. So the Pens are not going to be able to take the foot off the gas in their next two games. Uh, they play at the time of this recording tonight, Thursday night. Then again, Saturday, I think your bees are the ones who are going to get not short end of the stick. That's the way it's broken because of COVID and otherwise. I think they're the ones that are going to get jammed up as we get into the home stretch here. 
um, in terms of games. They're going to have more back-to-backs than anybody, so that's not great news for them. And in the meantime, we have the Islanders and and uh, and Caps about to settle things. I, you know, with these teams, this is the decision we have to make, Eddie Spaghetti. I like your your blue shirts. The, the uh, and I, by the way, tip of the cap to you for the dignity of of not, you know pretending to indulge the the delusion that your team's going to the playoffs the future is bright that's good enough that's good enough in the big apple for you you know what you'll be a you'll be a cup contender maybe as soon as one year from now but in the here and now do you suppose that you know nick sirianni the eagles coach is doing um rock paper scissors to test how competitive these potential draft picks are do you think like capo caco plays better now because now there are no stakes other than like hey go have fun get right for the future you know get more comfortable here i feel like if you look at the the teams like the high-end talent like is jack hughes of the devils gonna play better now because he doesn't have any you know any gravity of like if you play well we maybe sneak into the playoffs that's that's off his back now I, I think those teams get dangerous. We always talk about that, playing spoiler and all of that. Um, that's something to keep an eye on. I think the high end, the high end talent of the Rangers is going to take down the Flyers, who just have to feel like they got punched in the gut. What a disappointing season for for the Flyers. Yet another haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1975. As a reminder, um, I think the Rangers probably still fe- have a little uh, bounce in their step. Watch out for the Rangers. Watch them on the 60 minute line. Bet it as a game prop. Uh, take the 60 minute line on the blue shirts against the Flyers this weekend. But my prop- Proper three bets are Sharon Govich of the Devils. Like I say, they they have some talent on there, and he gives the Penguins fits. He's just one of those guys that when he plays against a certain team, he shines. He gets good chances repeatedly. Again, I don't know why he he, he knows how to take advantage of Chris Letang and his. Uh, um, uh, apparently uh, in, he's incapable of taking chances at the blue line. Sharon Govich takes advantage of that. Bet on him on Saturday, plus 310. He, the, the kid has a real knack of scoring goals against uh, against Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with Kasperi Kapanen. We don't know if he's going to skate tonight, but he's out on the ice. He will be playing on Saturday. The Pens have a knack, a high-scoring bunch of, uh, of getting a guy on the uh, score sheet in their big return. You see that with uh, with a number of guys coming back from injuries from that bunch. So bet Kapanen against the Devils on Saturday. And then not the weekend properly, but I think these are the, the this is uh, the best you're going to get going forward. Sal has officially done it. I think it's Trey Lance at number three to the Niners. Plus 290 is going to be my bet there. I think it's all smoke screens. Mac Jones may be yours, Hench, ultimately. I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, Bill Belichick, it, it, it makes sense, I guess, in broad strokes why Belichick would covet a guy like Mac Jones. Um, the news that Kyle Shanahan traded to three, it just doesn't make sense to me. It still doesn't. Then I was on Justin Fields, and now as I've done the full math on it, that's why you trade up to three is to get this generation potential generational talent in Trey Lance. That's a, that this this a um, a wild throw um, to to try to make some hay here. Haven't heard a ton of buzz about Lance. I think ultimately as uh, draft day gets ever closer, it's going to be Trey Lance plus two ninety. Bet that one, Spaghetti House. Say you. 
Yep. Yeah, well, like I mentioned before, I'm wearing a uh, Buffalo Sabres T-shirt, Jack Eichel. And for the my my hockey pick of the weekend, I'm going to go with the Rangers beating uh, and covering the one and a half goals versus the Buffalo Sabres. I, I know these are weekend bets. If you want an extra bet, uh, the Rangers first game versus the Flyers, that's going to be the game. They're going to blow them out. Uh, obviously, the Islanders whip the Rangers. And I think it's going to you know, you're saying they're going to give up. I don't think the Rangers themselves will wave the white flag. I think fans already know it's over with. But the team himself. They, they're going to they're going to compete and there is going to be a game. They're going to whip the team. It's going to be that one. But yeah, the Rangers have a nice homestand. The Sabres have to travel from Buffalo to Madison Square Garden. I like them in that one. No, that's uh, what I'm saying. But by the way, just to interrupt. That's exactly yeah. my point. The Flyers have to be sick in their balls What, a, what that, that they've blown <laughs> this thing to the, that this thing has imploded on the level it has. The Rangers have to be feeling good about themselves. They'll go out there and show that. And I, I, I think they will light up the Flyers, to your point. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I really like them this weekend. I think they'll have a fire lit underneath them after that, that awful loss uh, to the Isles. Um, in terms of the NBA, the you know we talked about the Knicks a little bit and Julius Randle, like Hendren's mentioning. I mean, when you have a guy who's doing triple doubles every night and scoring 40 points, it's a great recipe. They have the Raptors traveling to them on Saturday. Um, I you know Whatever that number is, I'm going to like the Knicks to cover because not only are you getting offensive production from Julius Randle, like I said, triple doubles, but he's opening up things for R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. And Derrick Rose, nice little pickup, has a ton of energy. He loves playing for the Knicks. Um, and the best thing about the Knicks team is that Tibbs preaches defense. They're a really good defensive team, which is why I do like them to cover and beat the, the Raptors, who I think are in like 11th place right now. They're not, not a very good team. And then to uh, round this thing out with some MLB picks, I mean, we made fun of it last week uh, with the Yankees putting out, uh, you know, TBA to they're not announcing who the pitcher is on Sunday. If you want to fade the Yankees on Sunday, that's great. But that's not my pick. Uh, I want to piggyback on what Hench was talking about with De- Jake DeGrom. I mean, he's getting an extra day of rest for this start. He his ERA right now is 0.45 and he struck out nine consecutive batters in the last game he pitched. I mean, if there's ever a time to fail the other team and even bet the under run scored for uh, the Nationals, it's it's going to be this game. He's just he's otherworldly. He's on a stretch right now that could be historic. Um, You got to ride with the ground. That's that's an easy it's the easiest of easy picks. So I'm going to go with that one. Well, you talk about him being on another plane and, you know, uh, I was watching some um, some Spider-Man content last night. I was uh, taking in some of that. I know Hench loves the superhero movies. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about John Sally highlights from the late 80s Pistons. <laughs> I like watching those, too. I, I, I've got uh, different interests in my nerdity. Um, yeah, I think that uh, that speaking what what also cannot continue the DeGrom thing can't continue also the Yankees cannot be a terrible team I I think a great bet I'm not a big advocate of sitting at the 21 table and if you lose eight straight hands just be like gotta turn around here but with it I mean come on the Yankees are not a bum team tell me something spaghetti or hench why I mean there's no way the Yankees don't I don't, not regress to the mean, but progress to the mean. At some point here, it seems like a good bet. If you put money on the Yankees every day for the next fortnight, I think you come out um, bad. in the They're black. Bad. They're I bad, mean, they, Shaq. They're bad. Really? And I'll tell you, it's if you think it's like Luke Voigt is not Gino Malkin. 
Like this idea that Luke Voigt is going to come back and solve everything that's wrong with the Yankees. Yeah, obviously he's an upgrade from Jay Bruce, who just went, I can't take it anymore. I, I'd, I'd rather do anything else with my life than play <laughs> on this fucking team, on this terrible team. And then, you know, you go Mike Ford at first base. But if you, you know, the Wednesday night game was nationally televised uh, against the Braves. The Yankees didn't scratch out a run until the ninth inning, they lost four to one. And when you look at like there's an energy around a team, right? So Giancarlo Stanton, you can just bounce the ball in the left-handed batter's box and he'll probably swing. He couldn't look like he gives less of a shit. You know, he hits his 500-foot home run every once in a while, but like his at-bats are terrible. Um, you know, so he's up there striking out. There's there's garbage blowing behind the batter. Like there's it's windy and there's garbage blowing by. And all the metaphors are like <laughs> you've got Aaron Hicks, Brett Gardner. It, you know, it's deep. You know, Gio Urshela, I think, was hitting fourth Wednesday night. Like these are deep problems and they're not going to be solved by Luke Voigt coming back. And, you know, Glaber Torres has one RBI. Like, you see, you know, like maybe. 2019 was the aberration like this team might be exactly what they look like so um you know uh, follow Sheck's advice for the next fortnight at your own peril uh they they're I, not good i'll defer to you i will i love the uh, but by the way the uh the weed deal and teen from american beauty told me that those bags blowing around is is a, a sign of uh, gorgeous nature or something right it's the most beautiful thing in the world i don't know why you let me let, let, let me jump in and, and help out the ingus for a second here and i i mean oh, look at that. See, he'll no, no 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 i'm i'm mostly with with what hen just saying i do agree i love it though the, See, the, a red sox fan talk just too much stuff that now the yankees fan has well, to no. step in and defend it a little I, okay go I, ahead i like no it. i i just you know they will get some guys back and the thing that's going wrong with them is their their pickups kluber and Tayon and uh even Herman coming back from his off the field mess none of these guys are pitching great so it's like their pickups people are like oh they're gonna be good they're gonna you know be a big part of the rotation we're gonna let Tanaka go Tanaka can go back to Japan and pitch there it's like well you should have kept uh Tanaka because at least he was you know he, you can count on him in bigger games the three new pitches they're bringing in or two new pitches they're bringing in and Herman back they're not they're not succeeding at all and then you have the offense which is just totally dead and that's the issue is like that Boone is not changing up the anything with the lineup bring up guys they have a lot of good prospects not bringing them up Clint Frazier gets the full-time spot now on the outfield he's not hitting Glaber Torres is the worst defensive shortstop in all of baseball and he's not hitting either so then you have all this like the and then you but in the one bright spots Cole and Cole's pitching against Shane Bieber uh this weekend too so that's going to be uh you know, Yankees want to hit Bieber uh so it's it's a real big mess but I, I think if they do get back Voight or Severino or if they're going to have to make some kind of major move to the deadline package some younger guys together and, and bring someone in uh definitely a, a a pitcher because nothing is going the right way but like I said it's only April 22nd. It's been a month. I think they will figure things out because I don't think they're a bad team. I don't think they're bad players. I think they're just in a really, really bad stretch right now. They're not and bad they're, people, but they're bad players. We don't know. I don't that think much. so. I don't think they're bad players. I don't I don't think By you can way, say a team uh, with. It's funny that you invoked American Beauty because Yankees fans want to do what Chris Cooper did at the end of that movie. <laughs> Like when, when Yankee fans watch Giancarlo, the pitches Giancarlo Stanton swings at 
And I say this because the Red Sox would not have won the 2018 World Series if he didn't swing at a Craig Kimbrell pitch. It looked like Kimbrell was rolling the ball to the umpire to get a new ball, and Stanton swung at it. It was it was so far out of the hitting zone. Like, forget about K zone. It didn't fit on the TV screen. Like, he bounced <laughs> the ball, and, like, Kimbrell couldn't throw a strike. Like, it, if they had just done that Little League thing of, like, nobody swing, that the, the, the Red Sox would, would not have won that game, probably wouldn't have got out of the first round. But you can count on Giancarlo to hook you up a couple at-bats a game by by just literally swinging at anything you throw. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think the monster offensive line approach to, to uh, baseball offense is – is good. I just, I just don't. And you know, Aaron Judge, his body, like I, I, like I just don't think it works. I don't know. Like you know, so we'll we'll see. But I think, uh, I think they'll finish ahead of the Orioles. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> it's a shame too. It's a shame so too this because lasts they are all season to both of you. Both of you it guys, won't. No. Play- no, you don't. So you're well, I, I will say for the next fortnight that they turn it around or no? They they just need one extra arm they can rely on. Garrett Cole, you know, DeGrom is getting a lot of the attention for being just lights out. Garrett Cole, by the way, 39 strikeouts, three walks. I mean, he's as good as it can be uh, on the mound. The problem is he's not getting uh, run support either. And, uh, he, you know, if they had one more reliable guy, I would I would feel a lot better about them. Their bullpen is a strength, but it doesn't matter about the, what the bullpen is doing if you're not going to get to them with a lead. So, yeah, I mean, Hench is right. The the big the big pop, the home run strikeout kind of guys, it does hurt when you have a judge, a stand, a Gary Sanchez, a Luke Voigt, Aaron Hicks, all those guys, the same type of player. And like only DJ. Oh, my God, I forgot how much Gary Sanchez sucks. Thank you. Thank you. Well, he's been he's been good. He's been good. He's been good this year. You should you should uh, you should update your thoughts on Gary Sanchez being good this year because he had a good week and now his stats are right back to where they always are. Not good. I saw a stat that I literally could not believe on fastball strikes. So these are fastballs that are in the strike zone. Gary Sanchez swings and misses 31% of the time. So this is a strike and it's straight and he misses almost a third of the time. He's terrible. He's terrible. He's another bad player on your bad team. Now, I say this, we will get to the fact that I think the Red Sox are a little pretend. They're, the Red Sox are shallow. Like the Red Sox good players are very good. Bogarts is very good. Devers is very good. Um, but their lineup kind of falls off a cliff and their rotation, oh God, after Ivaldi and Rodriguez, it is just one reclamation project after another. And Nick Pavetta is not going 17 and four this year. So uh, I do think talk about regressing to the mean that Red Sox fans like me are also in for a cold splash of water at some point. Uh, And you know who's going to win the division? Those goddamn Rays. They those goddamn Rays. They I don't know how they do it. Every time a guy comes up, you're like, this guy doesn't belong in the majors. What's like? And then they just they just. They figured it out. I I don't know. They they have you know twelve arms 
and and I think I think it's the Rays division to win. Bad for baseball. I hate it. It's not as bad as the New Jersey Devils because of their approach to the game in 95 really damning the sport for the next decade. But it just is the worst when you have these these metropolises eligible to go to the postseason and instead you get the the Tampa Bay Rays in there. And it's unsatisfying objectively um when the Yankees aren't good, it, it's it really is this the analogy I always make. You need an evil empire in a, for a sport to be truly compelling. In the same way, you need that for a good action movie. And it it always Superman. I never could really vibe in that direction because his arch nemesis is a bald guy who's smart. Like I mean, like that's it. The Yankees are a bald guy. They're Lex Luthor. It's like. Eh, they're not that scary. We need somebody, you know, we need somebody who's got some some real heft um, in the AL East for me to to vibe to it. I don't think we have that in the Yankees. I'm disappointed, although. Well, I tell you one thing that's exciting is uh, is how loud the booing is going to be as the stadium <laughs> fills up. I love it. Those that's fans a- were booing. Those those fans were making a lot of noise. There are only a handful of them, but they were booing. Now, when that's 50,000 people booing, it's going to be delightful. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The greatest gift that the Philadelphia Eagles ever got was uh, was in uh, in fan terms was COVID, because if Eagles fans would have been in the stadium for the 2020 season, I, I mean, Carson Wentz. Forget about moving on and going to the Colts. He would have been shattered emotionally to <laughs> to a point that he would have been infirmed for the remainder of his day. Speaking of that, I love the Nick Sirianni, the, the completely, really uninspired so far choice. And and I, I don't know anything about Nick Sirianni, so all the best to him. But this rock, paper, scissors thing, do you think, is that the best way to make a decision? You must deal with that, Hench, with your little girls. Like, okay, I got a number behind my back. Or is it let's flip a coin? Or is it Rochambeau? And why is it Rochambeau? Rock, paper, scissors. That was a great invention if you think about rock, paper, scissors. Because, you know, like who does who figured out that like look at what my hand can make? It can make scissors and it can make a rock and it can make a paper. And look at how it works out that each one can defeat. I mean, the rock, it, I mean, the paper covering the rock, I mean, like, a rock breaks, it destroys, it decimates the scissors, and the scissors can shred the paper. The paper covering the rock, not as damning, but you're, still... You're shading the rock from the sun that somehow destroys it. Yeah, right, uh, right. Maybe doing it a solid, right. Well, what the, the bad news for Eagles fans, and I think it's all bad news uh, for a little while now, Jaylen but is hurts. that... Uh, is that Rock, paper, scissors is also the extent of the playbook. <laughs> That's what Jalen Hurts is doing in the huddle. They're Guys, d- let's, I, paper. Let's, uh, let, let's paper this motherfucker up right now. Okay. No, uh, it, we, before we came on, we were, we were uh, laughing about the whiff on, on Justin Jefferson, right? I mean, uh, it, you know, they're just... There's a million tiny paper cuts that lead you to last place, right? And you just, you whiff on a pick here. And and I got to say, uh, you know, Wentz was the MVP of the NFL before that injury. I mean, that, that I think it was 33 TD passes and four picks maybe. I mean, and so, you know, I, that's just catastrophic and terrible. Now, the the good Lord said we're not, we're not going to punish you completely. Nick Foles is going to take you to the promised land. So the pain was delayed, but 
you know, then your franchise quarterback is just never the same. Uh, and he's shipped out of town and now you're trying to find that piece. Uh, and it's bad. And the way you're going to find it, uh, is by getting everybody on your roster expert at rock, paper, scissors. Let's do it. I want to see who, well, I don't know why it addresses one's competitiveness. Ready, Eddie Spaghetti? Well, well, I got it. You know, I have a big advantage against Gigi, who's seven. Uh, well, 100%, let's see. 100% of the time, she comes out of the gate with scissors. Is that true? So yeah, you can yeah. figure right. Depending can... upon my mood, mm -hmm. I can either be like, I'm going to take advantage. Like, do I, do you need to be taken down a peg? Like she's, she's pretty scissors is about 80% for Gigi. She just likes those. She just likes those two fingers. All right. We're going to do it right now. Ready spaghetti. So we'll go rock, paper, scissors. And what's with the Rochambeau? I feel like, I feel like this is some jerk who's the guy, the genius who invented rock, paper, scissors. Like, look at what my hands can do. Look at what my hand can do. I can make these shapes. And as it happens, each can defeat the next one. And then the other guy was like, let's call it Rochambeau. It's like, why? Rock, paper, scissors is ingenious. Why would we change the name of that? And I think it was a friend who pretended he was doing his genius friend a solid and, in fact, was just trying to claim a little shine for himself. I don't understand the need for Rochambeau, rock, paper. Anyhow, let's let's do it here. Ready? Eddie Spaghetti? I'm ready. So one, so rock, paper, scissors, and then shoot, right? right. Rock, paper, yeah, scissors. Correct. Got it. Yeah, and shoot. then shoot, yeah. ready? Okay. Rock, paper, scissors shoot what'd you get paper did you change yours hench no spaghetti what? i went rock Spaghetti went oh we I'm did scissor. that was perfect this is perfect it's just what happens with my daughters and it's every bit as boring uh we <laughs> we won each, we each won and yes. we each lost because right, we, we had, do we it had a rock we had a paper oh for christ's sake we do not have to do that again we're doing it again and we're gonna do it until somebody oh. wins ready Let's see. I'm more competitive than you. Nick Sirianni, Dave Damashek. Look no further. He's ready to run uh, run uh, right. some offense for you. Ready? Rock, Rock paper, paper, scissors. Shoot. Shoot. I went rock. Rock. Hench went, went paper pa again. Oh, good. I won. Hench so Fantastic. Won. It's it's over. It's over. All right. You know why? Because insecure guys go rock. <laughs> That's what Nick Sirianni taught me. <laughs> Baseball's back, and I'm very happy about it, and not just because the Battling Buckos are playing a little bit better than expected. There's nothing like watching a ball game with great weather. I think we all can agree that's good. A cold drink, that's nice, too, unless you like an Irish coffee. I'm not going to turn my nose up at that. And also, a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. I, by the way, I just want to make clear, you shouldn't drink Irish coffee at a ball game. That would be weird. But I'm saying if that's what your preferred drink is, a cold drink in the stands, that's the way to do it. But anyhow, a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook makes it even sweeter. And if you've never bet on baseball before, now's the perfect time to give it a shot. FanDuel's letting new users swing for the fences. Risk-free, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win. You hear what I just said there? Once you get your account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same game parlay bet falls one leg short this way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long and there's a reason why FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook the app is nice and breezy to use great odds on all different betting markets unique fun bet types like the same game parlay always on promotions to let you get even more action out of every game and when you win FanDuel pays you off in as little as 24 hours spaghetti 
sweeten things for uh, for the listener right now. Give him something to bet on this weekend in MLB. Why don't you? Well, like I've said multiple times, I am not uh, really, really confident in my Yankees. But the one player in the team that I am confident in is Garrett Cole, number 45. And he is pitching this weekend on Saturday uh, versus the Indians versus Shane Bieber, who's another great pitcher himself. But what I do like about Cole, if you want to bet the total under of the game or even the, the Cleveland Indians under, he's striking guys out and he's not walking guys. He's not putting guys on base. I mean, you have no base runners. That usually bodes well for your team. I do think the Yankees bats will start to figure it out. So I, I really do trust Cole, ride the Yankees and the, uh, the, the Indians under uh, this weekend. Yeah, things are more dire than I think they are in the Bronx if Garrett Cole loses, even if it is to Bieber. So get in on that or fade spaghetti if uh, if that's how you choose. Either way, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and make sure you use the promo code minus three, the word minus. The number three is how you do it. It's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code minus three. We thank you in advance. I feel like people don't see. I'm sorry. I, my logic is. I think people don't like making the paper shape because it, it it tips their literal hand. There's something about putting like the rock is easy to turn into scissors and vice versa, but the paper is a completely different um, uh, movement. And so when you do that, it gives people a split second to change their, you know, right. I, to, you know, shifting, uh, shifting gears to sports. Uh, <laughs> it would be funny it would be funny if uh, if after Sirianni breaks out the rock, paper, scissors, if the prospective draftee just tells his agent, please announce that I will not report to Philadelphia. That fucking guy's a <laughs> lunatic. Just make it clear that I will hold out. I will not come to training camp. If rock, paper, scissors is this guy's approach, uh, I, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Uh, but... Do you have do you have a philosophy on heads or tails? Oh yeah, of course. Tails never fails. Tails, tails never fails. Fa- what? If, I mean, that makes so much sense to me that you that that's how Kevin Hench's uh, that's Kevin Hench's worldview. As I've said before, and we'll say again now, the seminal scene to me in No Country for Old Men is when the old man working at the gas station and uh, what's his name comes in there. Um, you know, Javier Bardem. Right. What's his name in there? Anton Sugar. Right. When he comes in there and he's like, uh, you know, uh, heads or tails, and uh, what are we playing for? The the sweet man who clearly has a, you know, generally speaking, a sunny view of the world. And he says heads and he lives. And I think this is the Coen brothers telling the world that that's the right choice. That's the way to view the world is in a positive way. Heads has an optimistic view of things look heads up that's the way it's supposed to go tails cynical ass up never goes the way you want it to i got the butt end of things if you choose tails that means that you have a pessimistic worldview i feel well i'll say you i well it's funny because you know even though tails never fails rhymes it fails i think close yeah. to 50 percent of the time I, but i agree i will I've say this that. i believe uh you know and, and i don't have all my stats although maybe this will be the segue into our uh our our weekly patriot hall of fame conversation but when everybody knew in that falcons super bowl against the patriots if the patriots win this toss the game is over right i mean everybody knew 
the Falcons have one shot and that's to get the ball. And by the way, I would have given Matty Ice a pretty good chance of driving down too. Uh, it wasn't like the Pats were stopping them. Uh, Dante H- Hightower forcing the fumble notwithstanding. But, you know, so when they came out, I believe it was heads. I believe it was Matthew Slater calling heads. And then that game was over. And by the way, you've never seen anything like the three, the, the, the Falcons reaction to the coin toss was like, oh, well, he just lost the Super Bowl. Like the body language was like, oh my God, we just lost the Super Bowl. You know, they, they start ta- they start taking their uniforms off. The offense is taking their <laughs> uniforms off. What do they know? They know they know what everybody else knows. They're not going to touch the ball. And I Matt don't Ryan think- started his press conference like yeah. the game still. It was they're, a tough they're not game. Even- Matt, 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 it's not over. It's not over. No, it's it's over, everybody. I don't think the Patriots faced a third down on that touchdown drive. I think it was just. First and 10, second and two, first and 10, first and 10, second and two, touchdown. <laughs> Still say it should have been James White as the MVP. And yes, we can have this. A quick update for you. And Eddie Spaghetti, we did get a new NFL rule submitted by a listener. And Eddie Spaghetti, I don't have his name here. If you don't mind, uh, grab that real quick. The guy who sent the tweet. I wanted to, to do some of that. But um, like I say, Michael Irvin was on Extra Points um, uh, on the most recent episode and was really interesting on a number of uh, fronts. Um, but ask him the Julian Edelman question because Drew Pearson came up. And as I say, Drew Pearson and Lynn Swan are in the hall of fame. They were also the difference between those two guys and Julian Edelman is of course that they were perceived to be two of the three best pass catchers in football at the time. Just numbers weren't as gargantuan as they are in this era. Um, but I said, is Edelman a hall of famer? And he ultimately said, yes, he said, yes. Hench. Oh, I can't believe I brought this up. Because uh, he, uh, because Sal insisted that I not tell you about this. And now I just told you about it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you can cut this out, Spaghetti. I didn't mean to bring this up, but now I have. And what, I already texted what's done Sal. Is done. I already texted him. <laughs> but I, I, I am interested. We don't need the deep dive on Julian Edelman. He basically said, you need to create It's a in slot. my contract 30 minutes a week on Julian Edelman <laughs> going to the Hall of Fame. So we better start now. Get like I want the fans to move this line from plus one fifteen Julian Edelman in the next five years to like minus five hundred. Like I want like Julian Edelman and Michael Irvin, bless his heart, uh, he's right, of course. And and I think what you were about to say it, but you, me, and Sal stumbled on it when we were screaming at each other. The slot just has to be treated differently. You're never going to get behind the safety when you play in the slot. So, of course, you're not going to have 17 touchdowns in a season. It, you're running eight-yard pass patterns. Um, so It's so the I Devin it's, Hester. It's uh, To me, he was talking Daryl Johnston and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, if Devin – are you not going to put Devin Hester into the Hall of Fame? Of course, you are going to. But then once you do, you open that up to, you know, spe- to more specified uh, skill set like Julian Edelman. But – the other thing is that you kind of raised, and it's neither here nor there, really. It's not like there's some obligation from the Hall of Fame voters to put in um, some allotment of guys who participated in a dynasty. But on the other hand, it would be a little weird if it was just Tom Brady and Gronk, ultimately. I wanted to get your sense, now that it's pretty much done. The, the, the run is over, obviously, for Foxborough. That 
particular era, at least. Who goes to the Hall here? It's interesting because, you know, the 70s Steelers have plenty of guys in the Hall. So do the 70s Cowboys. 70s Raiders have some. The Niners have uh, thrown a bunch of guys in there from their run. The Cowboys of the early 90s. So how say you, Hench? What, what, well, it, it's it, interesting it's because we, you know, we have become kind of statistically obsessed, right? Like everybody, you know, you, you talk about the 70s Steelers and Lynn Swan's 336 career catches but but we weren't obsessed with stats then we we did the eyeball test we're like that guy's unbelievable and they won four super bowls obviously he goes in the hall of fame we didn't go like oh but look look you know like and i use brandon marshall as an example like what do those 970 catches amount to zero playoff games so does he go to the hall of fame like the idea is to win now belichick is like he he's the economics major who has figured out he's like a he's a human algorithm like he's figured out the players and plays that give him the best chance to win the game and in so doing he's eliminated statistics for so many guys i mean first of all and i'll start with richard seymour you know richard seymour well by the way I, I i'm sorry i do have to stop you quickly and just and insert that now that is in question if bill belichick actually did figure that out or was it Tom Brady all along but anyhow proceed well Bill Belichick's system does not provide for gaudy stats you know like it's it's there's a lot of uh, offensively and defensively there's there's a lot of hit the open man spread you know spread it around uh so or was defense, that Tom Brady who kind of figured that out that that's the way to well, approach there, it? Well, by and the way, it, there it, it, in the economics of it, there is a genius to not creating a DeAndre Hopkins that you will not be able to afford. Like you could actually see a conversation where you're like, "Hey, Tom, spread it around, spread it around," because if any of these motherfuckers go to the Pro Bowl, they're going to be playing for someone else next year. So there might have been a weird evil genius in Brady not having good receivers for most of his career because they're cheap, but I'll just go to the other but side. Do of the you ball think, where- but do you think as far as that goes now here, as we sit uh, less than a week now from the draft, do you think Bill Belichick getting his head hench as much as you can? Do you think he wants as close to a Tom Brady clone as he can get to try and replicate that same um, path to success, which it would be Mac Jones, presumably, or does he want to show the football world or does he feel like the best way to win going forward is to have a, my, a more dynamic performer and therefore try to go and get Justin Fields and trade up? What do you think would suit Belichick going forward more in, in the Brady v. Belichick race? And people, some people say, oh, he doesn't care. Other people say he cares very much. What do you think he wants to say to Brady and the world? Like, look, I can win with this kind of QB too. Well, you mean like, do I, do I trade up for a guy who runs yeah. a four, four forty? Yeah. Or do I, do I, or do Matt I want Jones to replicate? Or, yeah. yeah. Do yeah. I want a 21 year old Tom Brady type? Um, I think Belichick, I am assuming, uh, thinks that there is a governor, that there's a ceiling on the Lamar Jackson, you know, that, that you, I, I don't really understand it because when you see a, a quarterback, like Lamar Jackson break contain, like everybody did their job. Nobody got open. Uh, he ran around for 12 seconds and got a first down. You're like, this is unstoppable. This is unstoppable. But somehow for some reason, 
that always stops at some point in the playoffs. And then, and then a statue like Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl. It's weird, right? But I would it's say exactly just, right. That's what's weird is we we obsess over those. But I counted them off um, for Sal, and I'll do it for you. Roger Staubach was a, was a great scrambler. Terry Bradshaw in his young days was too. Steve Young was a great runner. Russell Wilson, a great functional scrambler. But very rarely has a guy who runs around as one of his chief virtues won the Super Bowl. That's, it, it is weird that that's the case because you would think that, obviously, a guy who can play on the script but then break script when necessary, but that's not what Brady's ever done, and he's won seven Super Bowls. So It's, it's always about go- pre-snap. I mean, I obviously like everybody else. I was, I was like, Fields ran a four four forty. Oh my god, that might be bad. You might go like, we can't draft this guy. Why he ran a four four forty? Like, if you run a four four forty, you want to show people I run four four in the forty. I think that's and right. It's like, and 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 maybe that's not great. Um, but listen, let me talk about Richard. Go Seymour. ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So one of the things that Belichick the genius of Bill Belichick is he always wanted versatility. He always wanted guys who could line up at multiple positions so he could throw different looks at an offense. And, you know, Richard Seymour, 57 and a half sacks is not, doesn't jump out at you as, as a hall of fame total in really the only statistic that those guys get. But you put a guy in the three, four Right away, he's gonna that's gonna minimize his his number of sacks. And Richard Seymour, you, you he's 320 pounds. You're not gonna have a 320 pound guy be an edge rusher, you know, primarily. So, but what Seymour could do is he could play the end in the three four. He could slide in and play tackle in the four three. And what it added up to was a guy nobody could block and a bunch of Super Bowls. Now we all know Spaghetti remembers very well that. You know, Seymour won three Super Bowls and would have won a fourth if Sean O'Hara's blatant holding call had been called. Sean O'Hara confessing, I held Richard Seymour. So Richard Seymour was unblockable, you know, won a bunch of Super Bowls, should have had another. Obviously, that's the easiest Hall of Fame. That guy goes to the Hall of Fame. It, and it's a, a great example of kind of the opposite effect of Lynn Swan, which is, you watch him, you see enough highlights, you're a football fan, you get it. Look, he's doing that in the Super Bowl. Look, he's doing that against the Raiders in the title game, so on and so forth. Richard Seymour depends upon, and let's uh, pull back the uh, the curtain on all football fans who love this swoon about offensive line. You don't know. you What you're going off of is the peer respect, and Richard Sherman is one of those guys who— you, Seymour. Who's Richard the top? Seymour. Richard Seymour. And, and right. Richard Sherman, but, and but Richard, Richard Sherman, Seymour. But right. Richard Seymour um, is one of those guys who like ask ask offensive linemen and other defensive uh, uh, defensive linemen like who you know who's the best you lined up against? Who you like? Oh, Richard Seymour. Unsung. Un- I mean, it is every time. If you talk to guys in a certain window, it's always that guy. And I think we defer, and so do the the uh, Hall of Fame voters. Ultimately, like. This guy's name keeps coming up. It can't be an accident. I'm right, with so you. That yeah, one's I think easy. He gets that it. one's easy. That one's easy. What's trickier uh, as we move further. And so into far we have Gronk and Brady as locks. They're sure. definitely good. Uh, uh, as we move further. And we have Ty Law. Ty Law. It, Go ahead. Into the, into the interior line. Um, you know, I, as a Patriots fan who watched, watched every game and probably rewatched most games. Because my move would be watch the game live, know the result, 
and then just casually do some film work later that because on the on the west coast you know you 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 have so much time at the end of the day to revisit your team's victory vince wilfork obviously nose guards in the three four do not get any statistics like and i i read a line that that i i loved which is it said Vince Wilfork did not accumulate statistics. He accumulated blockers. And it was so true. Vince was immovable. And carbs. And he, he just, <laughs> and carbs. And so Vince would just like, he would just eliminate certain things you might think you can do. Nothing is going to happen in this part of the field because these two guys who are going to have to block Vince on every play won't move him a quarter of an inch. So, you know, Vince wins the Super Bowl in his first season and he wins the Super Bowl in his last season in New England. Nice bookends to your to your point about like, okay, obviously Elsie Greenwood, Mean Joe Green, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, like all these guys are contributing to the point of playing football, which is to win the Super Bowl. And Vince Wilfork, I mean, statistically invisible because nose guards don't get any statistics. Only you notice they win when he's on the field. And so I would make either, either say nose guard is not eligible for the hall of fame. Just make an announcement. If you played nose tackle, you can never go to the hall or Vince Wilfork has to be in the hall of fame. Well, that's, I, I, it's a great, it's the same thing as we're talking about with Edelman as a slot, uh, creating a, a slot in the hall of fame for slot receivers and for Devin Hester as a kick returner. The nose tackle, you're exactly right. With all the sub packages, they the, uh, a nose tackle doesn't stay on the field um, on passing downs at this point. So they're kind of marginalized, but it's going to move. There's a whole generation of those guys. I think a Casey Hampton, of course, uh, for the Steelers played the same exact uh, role. Um, who and if Casey the- Hampton, if Casey Hampton and Vince Wilfork do their job as well as they did it, then it is third and nine. That's why it's third and nine. Right. And what was the, these what guys? Was, uh, what was his name? I can't think of his name. The grave digger, whatever his name was for Green Bay. Um, he was another dominant. I, I can't think of his name. Anyhow. Um, yeah, those those dominant nose tackles are going to uh, fit into just this window of time in pro football. And I think that history is going to move past them, which is too bad. I'm, I'm with you on Vince Wilfork. But oh, I love it. I love it. All right. We're two for two. And I know this one's a layup for you because we're just going to kind of complete the the defensive uh, front, the front seven, basically, because the Pats played a three, four. But like your dear friend, Willie McGinnis should obviously be in the Hall of Fame. Like it's crazy he, that he's not. Cr- yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I mean, the the, the, re- the you're not going to have the gaudy regular season statistics, but those postseason sack statistics are are gaudy. And so, again, to the Edelman point. When it mattered most, he was the most unblockable. He's he's piling up 16 postseason sacks as as they win Super Bowls. And so, you know, and, and Seymour, Will Fork, and McGinnis, like they're each uh, uh doing their part, you know, and you know, obviously a front seven works in harmony, right? And so it's like, yes, uh Ham, Lambert. Greenwood and Mean Joe all belong in the hall. Like, you know, why? Because they won all these Super Bowls when no one could move the bar all against the steel curtain. So those are my three. Uh, well, the cat and, and also for what it uh, for what it matters and it matters a ton is that Willie McGinnis captained that defense. He, you know, he was uh, he was the 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 so called QB on the field. I guess with uh, along with Teddy Bruschi, but he also had the big postseason numbers. Did McGinnis and yeah, I mean you know you uh, Ty Law 
is in there as well. And people forget that about halfway through the 20 years of Brady in New England, things kind of pivoted and it became more about 12 and Randy Moss and Gronk and otherwise and, and uh, ball hawking defenses. But the first 10 years of that run, that defense was dynamite. Do not sleep on that fact. They kind of, they suffer from the almost undefeated season and beyond. It kind of marginalizes what the defense did in the first half of the run. Now go ahead. And then I'll finish, well, to that point, I'll, I'll finish off my nominees. Um, you know, I'm kind of going in, I don't want to say descending order. I mean, Seymour's a lock. I guess I'd put McGinnis a notch ahead of Will Fork in terms of percentage chance of getting in. Um, but if you watch the Pats, and I I'm, I suspect you did watch this game when Rodney Harrison had his pick six against uh, number seven for the Steelers. I don't like it. I don't like uh, it. It just came up again for me, too. What you forget is Plexico Burris drops a touchdown pass in the end zone that would have made it a seven-point game with 14 and a half minutes to go with the Steelers having the foot on the gas. They that they win that game if if dang Plexico catches that ball on the second play of the well, fourth quarter. Well, Spaghetti's, Spaghetti's thinking about a touchdown pass that Plexico didn't drop. It wasn't that's for the right. Steelers, but uh, same, believe me, that's same, basically the exact same spot on the field, as a matter of fact. But I'll go ahead. So, you know, Rodney Harrison, 34 career interceptions, over 30 sacks, it, you know, a completely a very unique player. But, you know, in 500 snot knocking hits that changed games. And, you know, when you when you serve a decade as a game changing player, your position, I just think that's that's hall worthy. And, you know, if you watch Rodney Harrison play, you're like, that guy's a Hall of Famer to your to your eyeball test. Like that guy changes just, the I, I game. Know. Yeah, he changes the game by hitting opponents in their knees on purpose and putting them on the sidelines. I don't know that that's a valuable trait, but I mean, it is because it leads you to win. But at what cost? Well, it also listen, it cost, also led yeah. the it led the Rams to win the Super Bowl, too, because if he didn't blow out sure. Trent Green's knee, we never heard right. of Kurt Warner. But anyway, uh, so so those are my yeah, Kurt Warner should really be leading the charge for Rodney Harrison's Hall of Fame candidacy now that you <laughs> made my it. career. Right. right. Who's your favorite player? Rodney Harrison. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> Not Isaac Bruce so or Marshall Falk. No, it was Rodney Harrison. No, you never would have heard of me if it wasn't for Rodney Harrison. So um, true. So so uh, but now we're going to get this is where we're going to. I'm glad you brought up Devin Hester. You know, I feel like. It's it's been a long progress for me in terms of truly appreciating special teams like coaches always go like we spend a third of practice on these three phases. And I'm like, you're spending a third of practice on special teams like because in high school, of course, that's when the shitty players like me got on the field. Like, like, well, this definitely doesn't matter. So let's, hench, hench, you're in. Like, okay, this makes no difference. And by the way, don't field the punt. Just let it bounce around. It's better off if you don't field it. You're like, you know, like special teams. So when, you know, Parcells was a, like a big one on special teams. And, I, and John Harbaugh obviously was a special teams coach. And, and Matthew Slater, like if Devin Hester is Hallworthy for everything he's doing going in this direction on special teams then Matthew Slater has to be hall worthy for everything he's doing as a pro as a perennial pro bowler. If special teams is a third of the game and you are the best that did it in your generation, then Matthew Slater belongs in the hall of fame. Now that's just not going to happen, but 
correct? What? Why is that wrong? Well, you know, I, I agree with you spiritually, but okay. think all and like, but people, Steve Tasker has to go in the Hall of Fame. Everybody says Corderell Patterson. This that, that that's what this leads to is if you put him in, then you got if you put Hester in, then you got to make a space for Corderell and and so on. Well, what if uh, you just Cordero. put in the two? What I, I, if you just Cordero. put in the? I forget where we are with it. What if on each side of the special teams ball, you just put in the best of their generation? So That's then fine. Hester, but Hester goes in, not Tasker, Hester, and then Matthew Slater goes in. Okay, but here's the, but the only thing I'll say about it is it feels like you need a special category if you divided them up into like, here's the special teams wing of the Hall of Fame. Nobody would go in it. People would be like, ah, let's go see the the quarterback's room. If you did it, if you did it that way, and I don't know if that should be uh, a guiding principle for the voters, but it must. It doesn't feel right. If you like, you say the bums play on special teams in high school, so it it carries that stink that you have to overcome. Uh, even if you're if you're Matthew Slater, like everybody, it feels a little patronizing when Teddy Bruschi's like, hey, we don't get those rings without Matthew Slater's contribution, like. Eh, you're kind of, uh, you know, patting them on top of the head, aren't you? A little bit. Well, I think that's the the impression we had growing up. But like people that know a lot more about football than us say it's a third of the game. I guess so. Hench, I mean, uh, Spaghetti, okay. I want to give that guy credit. Oh, or, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. I have one R last Rasul. guy. Go ahead. I have one last guy. Um, Matt Light played 11 seasons. He, you know... He's, you know, the, if you if you're a good left tackle, nobody knows your name, right? It's like, oh, uh, you know, why is this quarterback going to the Hall of Fame? Well, Matt Light plays 11 seasons. He wins three Super Bowls, and in the three Super Bowl winning seasons combined, he has one holding penalty. So he's keeping Brady, who's a statue, clean and upright. He's not doing it by holding, and he's winning Super Bowls. So. You know, somebody from the O-line, I mean, I was just a laugh. You know, you talk about, like, how good are offensive linemen? And, like, you know, when John Hanna was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as the greatest offensive lineman of all time, and John Hanna's in the Hall of Fame, I remember getting my Sports Illustrated and being like, this is great. We went 1-15 last year. We averaged two and a half yards a carry. What, who's he blocking? I don't know. Like, this doesn't mean anything to me because... Maybe he blows this guy off the line every game. We got smoked by 40. Who gives a shit? So Matt Light, whatever blocking he was doing on at left tackle was resulting in championships. So that's that that'll be just we'll, we'll, well I know, you know, I can't I can't you mentioned Bruski. I can't name every guy on the team, but I'll I'll call it there that the left tackle on a dynasty deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I kind of I, I mostly agree. I'm a little surprised you were um you, you weren't overly aggressive here were i in your shoes i might try to make a case for one Corey dillon i, I talk about like the vibe you get watching him play from cincinnati and then into um his new england years it felt like boy this guy i mean you know I, well he, i would you know obviously he was hall of fame to me he'd go in as a bengal so i didn't i wasn't I, I wasn't counting like Randy Moss, you know, obviously uh, is in, but I, I and Darrell you know. Revis is right. Revis is as well. Um, okay. Eddie Spaghetti. Um, we were talking special teams there and we got a good note from, uh, from a listener and I want to do we did. homage to it with our, with our new rules here. Wait, somebody already does a new rule segment, don't they? 
Um, okay, go ahead, Spaghetti. Read that for us. That's a, a great, great tweet by him, by Jay Hemphill. Um, his idea for a rule change is, uh, here's one for Damashek. What if you limited the number of punts a team could attempt to four per game? So essentially one per quarter. Now that's fun. I, I love that. I love that. Because, you know, obviously the um, the algorithm, the, the analytics say teams punt more than they should. Well, Sheck's familiar with this, right? Because Mike Tomlin punted on fourth and one and a half when, when they were they were completing the greatest comeback in playoff history. Um, yeah, if that rule had been in place, Tomlin's hands would have been tied and they would have had to win that game against Cleveland instead of surrendering with that insane decision to punt. I, love I like the rule. butterfly effect. What if they had done, what if the Steelers really would have completed that? Would the Browns have just been like, that's that's the end of it? We, we, we cannot. We're not going to feel the team ever again. It's over. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, as a neutral, uh, the avalanche was happening and you, you knew that they were going to complete a pass to Juju for three yards. Like you, there was no way that Browns were going to stop that fourth and less than two yards and, and the avalanche was going to continue. So the question is, would it have consumed the entire franchise in perpetuity? They definitely were going to lose that game. So, you know what? I, I, you know, Mike Tomlin strikes me as a good guy. I think he's a good guy. I don't know. You know, you have inside sources. But, like, so there's this big debate going on in art. Like, Pablo Picasso was an asshole. Philip Roth was an asshole. Like, do you have to be an asshole to be the best at your job? And like, Bill Belichick is non-human. He's an he is literally an algorithm that spits out a result. Like, you know, if you ask Bill Belichick, like, hey, was it was it hard to cut Lawyer Malloy after winning Super Bowls with him? He'd be like, who? <laughs> like, I mean, like, like it's like, I, even, it's like he's he's not human. And I think it's an advantage. I think Tomlin loves his players. I think Tomlin loves the guys in that room. And it's like, that's no good. In the hmm. salary cap era, you you have to, you know, not not know. It's like being in, in a foxhole. Like, guys, I don't want to get to know you that well. Let's face it. When we go over the trench here, we're, you know, let's face it. So, so Belichick is just this heartless automaton. And Tomlin, like, he he just seems to care. You know, Belichick's like in a post-game press conference, like, are are you torn up by that loss? I stopped thinking about it the second the game ended. <laughs> On to Cincinnati. <laughs> I I hear you. And it's funny because at the same time, we're also debating this like Trevor Lawrence isn't showing the proper amount of fire to be uh, the leading man of a pro football team because he said, like, yeah, football essentially isn't everything to me. I don't have to live and die by by the wins and losses. And now he's getting a lot of crap for saying that, which is absurd. I But, you know, I also think Bob Knight wouldn't thrive in in at this point in the 21st century either. There's there's some balance to it. Andy Reid's is Andy Reid a jerk? He doesn't. He doesn't seem to be. I, you know, I don't. I, I, Tony Dungy doesn't seem like he. Although Tony Dungy, I 
think you could call into some question if he got the most out of that group. Ultimately, they didn't. They he, he with, with that high end Colts bunch, you could kind of go back and look at his career and say satisfying. Really, what, that that this is all you got out of it. If you're, but I, it's funny, uh, Andy Reid's a good example because I would I would put him in that Tomlin category, and you know they correct me if I'm wrong. They both won one Super Bowl with lots and lots and lots of opportunities while the robot won six. You know, it's like, I, maybe it's just, if there was a way they could extract humanity from, from co- perspective coaches, I think it, I think it would help you win. Now, not great for humanity to have quite frankly, people like Bill Belichick roaming the earth, but good for your football team. <laughs> Which is I was maybe about more- to ask you about how you feel about Brett Favre chiming in on all things political lately and what Packers fans should, how the Packers fans should feel and everything else. It sounds like you've made your peace with Bill Belichick, not maybe <laughs> being the greatest guy in the world. And yet he delivered you a bunch of Lombardi. So you're cool with it because he's a bad guy. Exactly. <laughs> it's sad. It's terrible. By the way, I- I'm the world's nicest boss and I and I know for a fact that I don't wring everything I can out of my employees. Like I don't I get they go, this guy's never going to fucking fire me. He's a sweetheart. So I'm going to give him 65 percent. And then I go, that's cool. No problem. Like I'm like, that's, you know, so <laughs> it's 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 for sure. I mean, the the I, I when you go through every different field and you look at who dominated that field, art, literature, football, it's like, they're all fucking terrible human beings. Like, cause you, you just have to have a motor, you know, you just have to be a killing machine. I mean, you have to get up. Like some of the times you go, like, you know, you see these crazy rivalries where you're like, why do you give a shit? Like you have $500 million. You wake up every day and go, I got to catch Bill Gates. And by the way, Gates is a good example too. And I get I get chipped uh, next week. My second my second implanted uh, <laughs> chipped my second chip next week. But you know, Gates like he seems like s- such a sweet Huckleberry, like just a just a nerdy guy. And then if you see the deposition when he's defending Microsoft against the government's monopoly lawsuit, uh, that's the real Bill Gates. Like, oh, right, right, right. Billionaires are fucking crazily competitive. Right, right, right. But and, it's and also way, it's also chicken or the egg, though. Doesn't doesn't um, being in the realm of that uh, of the money and uh, everything else, the celebrity and everything else and what it allows you and what it provides for you that that it I mean, couldn't you make a case that it turns you into that, that success? I don't, I just don't think you can get there. I think that you have to have the egg that, I mean, you, you have to start out damaged, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I remember a story. I remember a story you told me 20 years ago. I think you met a guy who's, and you were like, Hey man, like, so what, you know, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm, I'm a pharmaceutical rep right now, but what I really want to be is the president of the United States. <laughs> and you were like, oh, okay. Well, then I never, I never have to fucking have another conversation. You're, I don't have to be friends with you. You're a crazy person. 
you're completely insane. And, you know, and I think it's, I think it's borne out more <laughs> good often. Mem- good memory, Edge. That's a true story. It's borne out more often than we would like to think that you're like, okay, as we hand out the Irving Thalberg Award, um, let's let's skip the part where Scorsese ran out on the woman he just had a child with and moved to L.A. to pursue his dreams. Like, let's just, like, you don't want to know. You just don't want to know. It's awful. It's always awful. And so we're in this moment of reckoning where it's like, hey, can you separate the art from the artist? And if if every artist who is a prick or every you know Hall of Fame Packers quarterback who's a bad guy, if we start removing these people from the various halls of fame, like I was thinking of the wing at the museum, great art by incredibly nice guys. That's going to be a small exhibit. That's going to be really small. I mean, I hate to break it. I hate to break it to Hannah Gadsby, but like, you know, the finger painting of sweethearts is not going to fill the, you know, MoMA. It's so I, I don't know, like maybe now maybe it's better to not have art or not have great art, but just have nice people who let the other guy go at four way stop signs you know, it's kind of the point of the it, uh, the drumming movie, Whiplash. It's you know the whole the the whole point of Whiplash. It's kind of you know you you hear about Tom Brady. A, you, a great example was the Michael Jordan documentary. You know about his competitive fire and everything else, um, but then you see it portrayed and you hear his teammates and all the titles and all the money and everything else. The bottom line is years later, they're like, yeah, he was a douchebag. Yeah, I didn't, you know, like his teammates are like that. Now, I'm not talking about the guys he vanquished. They kind of respect it in a way. <laughs> his teammates are like, yeah, not a, not a good guy. Jordan is the, is the perfect example. He's the perfect well, example, now, right? Another good example, though, is Tom Brady. Tom Brady, when you watch him, like out of the context of football, the, the, the thing of like, he, he wants to win at everything. It doesn't make a difference what you're doing. Like, Forgive me for saying this, Hench, because you kind of are one of these guys when we start to compete too. Is, um, yeah, douchebag. Yeah, that's a yeah. It's a, it, Tom, like, take him out of football and like he's our hero and he's winning games for our favorite football town. Like, yeah, take him out of that and put him into big business or something. Like, he's a fat. He's a he's an asshole. Like, yeah, he's a he's he's unbearable to be around when he's like that. I mean, you're, 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 you're charming. So I'll, I'll give you a pass, but yes, that's exactly right. Put, take it out of the context of professional sports and your rooting interests and in any other walk of life, that guy, you play bass, you, you play wiffle ball in the backyard in the neighborhood with this guy. We used to have a guy who was way better than everybody else, but I would, I would uh, strike him out because I was a lefty and he would bat lefty. And that always gave, uh, that always would trip up certain guys. Um, I would strike him out and he would throw the bat down and he would literally walk home. And it'd be like, good, good riddance. And people are like, go get, we got to chase him back. Like, no, let him go. I don't want him. He, I, I don't want a douchebag on that level. Nobody likes I, that. I, you know, so, so we'll do Jordan and then Brady. So Jordan, like, obviously we're all mesmerized by the documentary. Like, it's just like, I, I mean, really early pandemic appointment television, right? And so the thing that was so mesmerizing about that documentary was he's got his brown drink I don't know, like, well, I don't know what's exactly like what he's nursing there, but you're like, Mr. Oh Pim. my God. Oh my God. He's still pissed. <laughs> oh my God. He's still pissed. Like, you're like, somebody get a fucking butterfly net 
and a straitjacket for this lunatic who sounds like he would punch George Carl in the face right now. Like, Mike, you won every, you won all of these matchups, all these imagined grudges, you know, um, in an AAU game against Adrian Branch, he said I couldn't check him. So years later, I made sure the Bulls cut him. And, you know, like, what? Like, what? How could you remember? Like, how could you remember everything? Like, such a prick and still angry and, and just basically unhappy, which I think is another key to the whole formula. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Barkley. Barkley never won anything. Every time you see him, he's laughing. He's laughing. He's doubled over on the desk. Like he spills his drink on the TNT desk. He laughs at himself. Like, you know, Jordan would be like, Hey, who the fuck put this drink here? Oh, (laughs) sorry, Mr. Jordan. That was your, that was your drink. You spilled it. No, I didn't. You just made my list. You just made my list PA, you know, and Barkley's like (laughs) Barkley's spilling on his suit and he's laughing and he can't, he can't wait to have a f- couple of pops and go gamble. He's just having Who says fun. he's waiting? Who that's probably part of it too. He's oh, probably he's buzzed, starting ahead like, of time. It's like you're like, okay, um, maybe these championship rings are like the Lord of the Rings ring. Like it fucks you up. Like the happiest guy in basketball is the guy who has to go, like, hey Charles, um, does it gnaw at you that you never won a championship? Barker goes, What does it look like? <laughs> does it gnaw at me? <laughs> I spend my whole life laughing and trying to remember shitty players' names so I can talk about it on TV. But who can, I'm living the dream. Uh, and then to Brady, Brady says, you know, they're interviewing him. It may have been for his, his like, uh, Tom versus Time thing. But, you know, he's talking about spending time with his kids, you know. And he says, he goes, you know, I told my kids, you know, daddies, daddies have to work. Daddies have to work. And it's like, now... Not when both parents are are worth a few hundred million dollars. No, you don't. You don't absolutely don't have to work. You what you should have told your kids is is that I I prefer to hang out with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans than you because that's definitely the decision I'm making. I don't I don't have to work. We're fucking so rich that even if all you kids are f- hopeless drug addicts, you can never spend all the money. Your mom and I have accumulated. We're so fucking rich. She's rich. I'm rich. Neither of us ever has to work. We could just we could just be hopping from Euro Disney to Hong Kong Disney to Disney. We don't. No one has to work in this family. Not only does Dad not have to work, you never have to work. Your children never have to work. I'm lying to you because I would rather hang out with Bruce Arians than you fucking kids. That's the truth. <laughs> Because I'm a monster, and that's why I have seven Super Bowl rings. And and it's sad because what you want, what you wish was the truth. I mean, not if yeah. you're a Patriots fan and you've enjoyed the benefits of this, but like what you wish was the truth was like, hey, the the guy who stays up late doing the science project, even though he's got a big early game on the East Coast, but like his kids are the most important thing in his life. So he's going to do this science project with his nine-year-old because that's more important than football. Like, you wish that guy could succeed. Brady, his whole (laughs) career, it's like, hey, man, that was a big win. You're like, you're going to go out and celebrate? No, I'm going to watch game film. I'm a a cyborg that only cares about football. 
So that's exactly right. Willie McGinnis. I, I, I've asked Willie McGinnis, what's tell me a story about Brady. Like, let me know what he's really like. And everybody says he's a lovely guy. You come into the building, you're, you're, you're a free agent, uh, signing, not a big name or anything like, uh, Heath Evans once told me the tale of like, he had just signed and he's walking in the hallway and he hears his name shouted out and he turns in, in a long hallway. You can see it. The other it's Tom Brady, Tom Brady comes over. I just wanted to introduce myself to you welcome to the team anything you need like that's classy from the leading man of the team that he's like that and by the way he wins the super bowl he wins his seventh super bowl first thing he does is he gets his boy and he gives him a kiss and then he gets up on the podium he's like my teammates don't get enough credit he's lovable you can't not love him except then you watch him on Conan O'Brien play a video game. I don't remember what it was, Madden or whatever game it was, or uh, Halo or whatever they were playing against each other. And I mean, within 42 seconds, he's already pissed off. And he's he's the guy who's like, start it again. We got to start over again. Like that that jerk who throws his wiffle ball bat down and, and walks home because he struck out. He's like, this is an intolerable. This is, this is no way to live, Tom Brady. But I guess that's uh, what makes him successful. And that's why, by the way, imagine, imagine just, just do the thought experiment, how sweet and classy we could be toward Heath Evans. If we never had to see our kids. Oh my God. We would just, we would just be, we'd be delightful. Hey, UPS driver, UPS driver, looking good. Losing weight, buddy. Losing weight. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, you seem like you're in a good mood. I know. I said, I shipped the kids off, uh, to camp. So yeah, I'm not getting no, no kids in the picture. Like, you know, this, this idea, you know, it's funny. I, I, for 20 years now, like, right. People have been publishing books. Can women have it all? Can women have it all? Like, can you have a job and be a mom? And, and it's like, Hey, guess what? Nobody can have it all. That's, that's just like, that's there's a certain number of hours in a day and you're not, you can either watch game film to prepare for the Titans or you can do your kid's science project with them. That's that's you can't do those two things simultaneously. And so thankfully as a Patriots fan, Brady made the right choice every single time and uh and chose to watch game film so he's the best prepared player on the field every week. And Oh, uh, that's why, that was what I was going to say. So McGinnis, so I said tell me about Brady. He said, "I'll tell you, let me tell you. He he, he just the fire never goes out with him." And it's exactly what you just said. You know, big win. What's Brady? We're all celebrating on the plane, playing cards, having some drinks, whatever. Tom Brady, everybody understood the last row of the plane belonged to Brady. And he would go back there and he would, uh, on the ride home, start breaking down film for the next one. And and it's admirable because it's your favorite team and you love it. And it's, it's never enough. And he's going to deliver more Lombardis. But again, if it's not team football, it's it's a random thing. He's he's uh, he's a zealot and a weirdo and he's overly competitive and I don't want to hang out with that guy. That's that's basically what it comes down to. He's a fascinating character, uh, man. The spaghetti. I swear I thought we were going to go about. I really thought today like nice and breezy. We'll keep it to 30 to 40 minutes here with Hench and then we'll do spaghetti and meatballs and we'll call it a week of hot sports talk. But I can't help it that the show gets more interesting thanks to Hench. Um, you know, the deeper we talk, you know, it's a, there's no, no need for apologies. I mean, there, there is arguably, I mean, that has to be the best ending to our, our show so far. 40 to 60 minutes of hors d'oeuvres. And then we get to the main course here. 
Yeah, that was a, a real good like think piece that we all and you know what the, the best part about it is it's all true. So it's it's a very fascinating listening and our listeners will love it. So there's there's no calls from me. And then the weird thing is, and I'm not I'm not opening this up for conversation, but the counter to that is the guy who beat him was Eli Manning. So how how do we make sense of that with that guy's uh disposition that that's what took down Todd? Because Eli's like, I don't I, I see it just feels like I'd like to win the game. It's I'm not gonna I'm gonna die. Maybe about, about maybe that it. maybe that bodes well for Trevor Lawrence. The Jags would probably take two Super Bowl victories in the next twelve years. You know, like that. It just be chill. I got really, you know. And then, I'm but really, sometimes I throw the ball to the other team. Sometimes I throw it to my team. The important thing is, I won two Super Bowls. Yeah. I, well, I was gonna say another nice guy who's a legend is Mario Lemieux, but maybe the the cynic would point and say, maybe you could have won five or six Stanley Cups if you had, if your fire burned a little hotter there, 66. I don't, listen, I don't know. Bobby Orr is another nice guy too. Was a, Hockey it, it, might be different because I think I Canadians are different than Americans. All right, let's shut it off here, Hench. We're going to do some spaghetti and meatballs. We're going to dive into the Eastern Division. Great stuff Good as times. always. Kevin Hench, follow him at Kevin Hench, and uh, we'll look forward to kibitzing with you in about a week and seeing how we did on our uh, best weekend bets there, Hench. Beautiful. Go Red Sox. All right. Um, boy, who was that guy, Spaghetti? I mean, that I love that ending. And it, it is true about like the I love the the Jordan doc thing because he's 100 percent right that, that it starts off and there's no reason for Jordan to be pissed about it. And he is pissed. And I, I think there is some credence to that, that the most driven people have like this, you know, this edge to them that makes them ultra competitive them and abrasive. Yeah. And like, I mean, you know, you brought up like Eli and I think. I mean, Eli definitely prepared and was a, a team leader and, and was a guy who cared about the game. But I think you're also right in the sense that there probably was a, a gap between what, you know, Eli's prep and Brady's prep and this, their their personality in, in general. You know, th- th- a lot of people say that's why athletes are are superstar athletes is they have the edge that it's like chemical thing that that I guess we don't have. It's what we were talking to Michael Irvin about on extra points is, you know, why do some guys make it when they have the same measurables and all that? Um, and some don't. And it, it, I guess it does come down to, it's, it's not even, I, I ultimately, I guess it's competitive. That's what you would call it is a competitive edge, but it, it also is the confidence that you have and their related things. The people who I've known in, um, in the entertainment industry, the most successful guys and Hench is one of them. Those guys, what they, what they have is I wouldn't necessarily drive is a big one. Um, the motor to like literally practically work into the wee hours of the morning and then, um, sleep for six hours and wake up and do it all over again, starting from the moment their eyes open. Um, but they also have a confidence that is, is, um, it feels uh, unbreakable that they they believe in their own ideas as much as anything. And that's what Michael Irvin was kind of talking about is that once you get to the next level that you're that you can chip away at your com- that it can chip away at your confidence and um, that that some guys never get it back. Fascinating stuff with Michael Irvin. Go listen to the extra points with uh, Sal that we just did there. But now, Spaghetti, talk about hors d'oeuvres and time for the main course. If your favorite meal is the puck. It has arrived. It's time for spaghetti and meatballs. All 
right, we're back for Thursday edition of Spaghetti and Meatballs. Eddie Spaghetti here with Mikey Meatballs. Meatballs, for those who will see eventually wearing his Islanders jersey, I'm going to get out in front of it. I am wearing a Jack Rackle Buffalo Sabres t-shirt, not because I'm now a Sabres fan, uh, is because I, well, Jack Rackle went to BU with me, and uh, I'm now in, like, full wave the white flag. Ranger season is done, and I'm looking forward to Jack Rackle becoming a, a Ranger in the future. So I'm just getting out in front of that. We'll discuss that a little bit later because your islanders did open up a can versus my rangers but let's start with the the devils this will make us both happy with our third star of the week and like i just said the devils missing the playoffs now for the eighth time in nine seasons uh neither of us are fans of the devils it brings us both joy to see them uh suffer but the devils are a weird team that most think they will have a bright future and they thought it maybe could have been this year sneak in the back end of the playoffs if not next year they have you know jack hughes ty smith he's sure the captain now a very young captain a couple weird things happened this season with Corey crawford you know retiring midway through and a lot of you know bad injuries they had to deal with and some COVID issues but they you know again are disappointing do you see the turnaround happening next like next season do you think they're a playoff team by next season or do you think this is something that's still there's still a couple pieces still a couple seasons away I don't know if they're a playoff team by next year I still think they're maybe a year or two away uh maybe a few more you know a veteran defenseman or uh you know another year of goaltending for Blackwood away from them actually being good. But, you know, I think guys like Hishir, Hughes, mm-hmm. they, they show promise. So I, 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 if I'm a Devils fan, I'm not totally, you know, out on them for the next few years. I think it, the, the problem is this division is so tough. So, right. it, it's, exactly. you know, once they go back to normal, maybe it'll be a little bit easier and they can sneak into a, a lower spot. But until then, you know, they're 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 a little bit away. We'll move on to a team that is competitive and they're competitive right now, the Boston Bruins with our second star of the week. And we talked about this. I mean, Taylor Hall has been a huge topic of our conversations the last few months doing this. And he gets moved to the Boston Bruins, gets placed in the second line with David Krejci, and they're 5-0. and They're 5-0 and since getting him. And they have two games versus the Sabres before they have a tough game versus the Penguins this weekend. They could essentially go 7-0 and since getting Taylor Hall right before this playoff run. I mean, he's fit perfectly. And I said, I was really afraid of this and it was the worst possible thing to happen to the Rangers and to your Islanders getting a, a Boston Bruins team with a good mix of young talent and veteran leadership. That's been there, done that. And they go and get a guy, 29 year old Taylor Hall, who, you know, former Hart Memorial trophy winner and could resign there. And now this team is playing really, really well. And he's, you know, doesn't have to be the top line guy. Doesn't have to be the guy that you're focused on. He, you know, he said those words himself. He just wants to be, part of a winning team and doesn't always want to be the, the center point. And now he's producing and the team is a, as a whole is producing and they're winning games at a really, really good time to win games. They are now leading the East uh, on fanal.com slash minus three. They're plus 1300, which is now, uh, like I said, leading the East for the uh, Stanley cup odds. Does this change your perspective of the Bruins at all? Do you still think that your Islanders or the Caps or Penguins are better, you know, and also a bonus is, is, because he's playing so well and the team is playing so well, do you think it's almost a lock that he's just going to say, you know what, I'm signing my deal. I'm staying in Boston for the, you know, the remainder of my career. Yeah, I could definitely, well, to answer your, your question about uh, resigning there, I definitely could see that. I, I think it's what surprised me the most is how smoothly he fit in on that mm-hmm. second line with them. 
like they kind of just plugged them right in and there were no issues at all. Like it just smooth. They have great chemistry there. So props to Krejci for that. It, uh, yeah. A guy who's not uh, very unheralded around the league, but a guy that, you know, plays both ways and mm-hmm. then you just go and throw a dynamic guy like Hall in there and, and Krejci figures it out and that knows how to feed him. And they're just working really well together. So yeah, exactly. He, he, the chemistry is great. It's a great point. Yeah. So I could definitely see him re-sign there for, for long-term, maybe, you know, two, three, four years, five years, who knows. But uh, in terms of the division though, I think, it hasn't really changed my thoughts on it. I mean, I know they're on a hot streak, but with the top four teams, you get, let's face it, no matter who the Islanders play, it's going to be a tough series. Uh, between the four those top four teams, I don't know how much of a difference it is between who you want to play in the playoffs because it's going to be a tough series no matter what. So, But I will say the Bruins are probably, you know, I said this last week kind of, I know the Islanders you know, dropped the past two games, so I'm actually a little more comfortable playing them again. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Bruins are definitely – I don't think they're a team anyone wants to play in the playoffs. They're always just – they're always good. They just play playoff hockey every single game. Yeah, especially with Tuga Rash back, who's making some ridiculous saves. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the highlights recently. And just, yeah, adding some firepower like a Taylor Hall in your second line when you already have Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. The defense is so great with McAvoy – the list goes on and on. They're a scary team, but like we you know we said before, the division as a whole is awesome, and they're all tough teams. But this definitely makes it uh, very exciting. But personally, since I in our you know uh, extra points league draft we took, I did pick the Bruins to in my second round pick to win the Stanley Cup. So I, I may have to ride with them. So I, I this Taylor Hall trade we, in that regard does make me quite happy. But now we'll move on to our our first star of the week, which is probably the moment you've been waiting for. Like I said before, wearing the Jack Eagle t-shirt, you know, waving the white flag, the Rangers, uh, they're done. Players might not think that the coach and the front office may not think that, but I think most of the fan base does. Right now, they're minus 1,400 to not make the playoffs, where they're, they're to, to make it, they're plus 750. I don't see it happening. I could pretty much thank your Islanders for spanking them. I know they have a couple easy games. They have a nice home stretch with two versus the Flyers, one versus the Sabres. Too little, too late. We can blame Vladimir Putin for having uh, you know the bread man to leave you know the team for weeks at a time and to worry about his family and the well-being of them, which obviously is more important, but it is an insane sports story uh, ruining not only the Rangers playoff hopes, but potentially his heart campaign there. You know, it was a fun season. I really, really like this team going forward. So I am fully locked in for next next year. And I'm hoping that the former BU center will now be on the Rangers somehow if they can work with the cap. And, you know, you know, congratulations to, to you guys for going to the playoffs. And that's, that's all really needs to be said. Yeah, I think it was an important game for the Islanders. They had gone a long stretch uh, without playing good hockey. Um, and Islander fans all over are were, they're freaking out. Even my brother was having a breakdown when they were down to the Bruins three nothing. He's like, they're not even going to make the playoffs. They're going to miss the playoffs, whatever. But um, yeah. So people forget that the Islanders always go through these stretches where it looks like they'll never score a goal. They'll never win a game. But this year in the past few years, when this happens, they've been winning those games, which is a sign of a good team, I think. So if now they turn it around, um, it will even out. They'll be all right for the playoffs. I'm not, you know, I'm not too worried as, I've watched some terrible Islander hockey over the year, and this is not nearly as bad. So I'm pretty confident heading into the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, you should be pl- plus 1,400 right now on FanDuel.com slash minus three right there, neck and neck. With the Caps, Bruins a shade ahead of plus 1,300. I mean, like I said, it's it's they're a polished team, but there's a bunch of other polished teams. The East was a heck of a division this year. You know, it's not completely over the, for the Rangers. They'll have, you know, Panarin will be a hard contender for the next three years, too. He, should, he probably should have been an Islander as well, but that's a, that's a different story. That was very graceful. I appreciate I appreciate those uh, those words. Boy, a, a beefy one. Again, Eddie Spaghetti, my apologies, since you're the producer and, like, you kind of have to post it all and everything else. But it was a good episode once again, eh? It's always good. I feel like uh, I'm Martin Scorsese. I know uh, Hench did bring him up. Where you have, like, these three-hour films, but you have, like, these these very, very talented cast members, and they're putting on a great performance, and you're just like, oh, this is easy. This is a win-win for me because I have a, a ton of great content, and uh, I, honestly, our fans are lucky. They should, they're they blessed that they have almost 90 minutes of great minus three content. Yeah, and go back. If you need even more, go back and listen to Jeff Schwartz with us earlier in the week on the all-time draft and some great insights on what the Jets are thinking there with Zach Wilson at number two and beyond with Schwartz. Listen to Extra Points. Listen to everything on the Extra Points Network. And uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll be back on the other side of it for you to get you even more right for the NFL draft. We'll have two episodes for you as usual next week. The second one, though, probably going to be released a day or two earlier um, in deference to the draft so that we can help get you right and get your best bets there. Lots of good action to be found there at uh, at FanDuel. Um, dot com with uh, with regard to the NFL draft, where quarterbacks are going to be drafted, where uh, you know Devontae Smith may go over under in his draft slot. Lots of fun things to bet on. We'll have that for you next week. Um, but for now, for Eddie Spaghetti, for Mikey Meatballs, and of course for Kevin Hench. Thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>